Welcome to the first Illicana podcast. I'm Frank Kramer from the Heidi and Frank Show on 95.5 KLOS in Los Angeles, California. On this podcast, I sat down with Aaron Augustus and Jeremy Freitas from the Veterans Cannabis Group and Brothers Mark. Their mission is to advocate and support the use of medical cannabis to treat the symptoms of combat-related PTSD and other service-connected disabilities for U.S. military veterans. After the getting to know you, we discuss the difficulty in dealing with the VA when it comes to medical marijuana and how current options for treatment of PTSD and other ailments may be doing more harm than good. After the podcast, check out their website, veteranscannabisgroup.com and brothersmark.com. Also check out illacana.com. And now, in honor of Veterans Day, here's my conversation with Aaron and Jeremy. First of all, Aaron and Jeremy, welcome to the very first Illicana podcast. What an honor, huh? Uh, I want to say happy Veterans Day. Thank you. First Thank you. Foremost, thank you so much you. for your service. Now, we will get into the Veterans Cannabis Group and Brothers Mark, but to get to know you a little bit, uh, Aaron, start with you. Uh, you're a California kid, huh? That's right. Born and raised in Northern California. I'm a Bay Area kid. So yeah, uh, Niners or Raiders? Niners, baby. Niners. Okay, good answer. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you joined the Army back in what, 1998? I did. I joined the Army in 98 right out of high school uh, as a combat engineer. I actually turned 18 while I was in basic training, one week after I got there. You couldn't wait to get in the Army. I looked at myself in the mirror with Army greens and a shaved head, and I said, four years? Did you really just do that? Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you really have that second thought? Oh, like, yeah, but at that point, it's too late. Well, yes. You're done. <laughs> in the barber's chair going bald. Oh, no. I, yeah, I went into the bathroom or whatever, and I was looking at myself, and it said, U.S. <laughs> Army, Augustus, bald head, no rank, private. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay, here we go. But that was your plan. That was your idea. Like, I'm going to go to the Army as soon as I graduate. Yeah, I wanted to get out get out of the house at 18. You know, with the high school education, you're not really ready to take on the world. Not a lot of experience. So I wanted to get out, get some experience, travel, uh, get that GI Bill for college after after my service. And and I really just pushed myself to see what the Army could could do or see what I could do in the Army, really. <clears throat> and you were deployed to Iraq. Yes. So, yeah, 9-11 happened about a year and a half later. We went to Iraq. My unit was uh, 37th Engineer Battalion out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, we went to Mos- Mosul, Iraq. We were there for seven months. I was Well, actually, I was there for seven months from April to November of 2003. So we uh, took three days to drive from Kuwait all the way to Mosul. We did a whole uh, company vehicle convoy. Uh, stopped in Baghdad and then uh, made all made our way all the way up to Mosul where we stayed. For those who don't know, what is a combat engineer's job? Combat engineer is uh, basically like an uh, infantry with demolition. You know, we do minefields, um, explosives. We do construction. We have heavy equipment. Um, we have carpentry tools. So we do a lot of uh, breaching minefields, um, putting up bridges, blowing up bridges. It's basically you're you're a demolition sergeant, um, so that's what I was. I was an engineer. I was a sergeant. They say you got to do the fun stuff. Yeah, you get to play with a lot of C four, a lot of plastic explosives, <laughs> uh, more than you can handle. <laughs> you know. And you were in the in the service for five years. Yeah, five and a half years active duty. And, yep. the, and uh, Jeremy, uh, you were enlisted in the Air Force. That's right. Went in '95, got out in 2000, about three months before 9/11 happened. 
So I just missed um, being active duty uh, during 9-11, but they did send me a stop, no loss. So basically you serve four years of active duty and then you do four years of non-active duty. Um, so what they did is stop my non-reservist um, time and said, hey, we might call you back in whenever. And I got that letter about five years later. Okay. So, yeah, so I just just missed it. So, and where did where were you? Where was your um, like home base? I was stationed in Aviano, Italy, for three and a half years, um, and then uh, Tinker, Oklahoma. So was Italy nice? Oh, Italy was wonderful. <laughs> it's a place I would love to move back to. Yeah, you haven't yeah. been back since your. Uh... I haven't. No, I haven't. A um, couple buddies that I was in with, uh, they actually moved back. So they find living. they find ladies over there. They found ladies. Um, they found great jobs. Um, working on the base, you know, nice. the civilians, great. And you're at home, you're in Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma Station, I'm born and raised in Napa. Okay. Yeah. How'd you like Oklahoma compared to Italy? Way different. <laughs> 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 Everyone want to go back to Oklahoma. Yeah. Way different. Come to Phil. Yeah. Actually, I read something interesting about you, is that uh, you, when you were in Oklahoma, you got Lyme disease from a tick there, and you were the first ever case of Lyme disease in Oklahoma. Yep, that's right. Yep, in 1999. Got that's got to be a nice breaker with the ladies, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm the first one to have Lyme Kind of disease. a big deal yeah. around here. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. definitely a big deal. Um, definitely, you know, messed me up for quite some time and uh, still have side effects from it now. Really? Because that's, that's one of those things very hard to diagnose. They had no idea what you had for like a year, and they're trying to figure it out, all the tests. Yep, over a year it took for them to fi finally figure it out. Almost had to get a fight with the... Um, the officer, the, the doctor that was treating me, um, just to check it. They, ch they checked me for all the other diseases. And what they th what they say? They think you were just, we have no idea what's wrong with you, Jeremy. Oh, no, they, they, they knew there was something wrong um, with me for sure, but they couldn't figure out what it was. Um, you know, just. What are the symptoms of Lyme disease? Um, well, it's a, a lot of it's, you know, numbness in my hands, legs, um, memory issues. Um, Aaron could attest to that. You know, and um, what was that guy's name? We just met with him. <laughs> hey, I'm Frank, by the yeah, way. Absolutely, reintroductions, you know. Yeah, there's Aaron. Um, <laughs> but now you say you still, you still have some residual I, I, symptoms, it's not curable, it's something you'll have your whole life. Something I have to deal with my whole life. Um, I just got done with a uh, series of hyperbaric um, oxygen treatments, yeah, um, up, up at Travis Air Force Base, and that's had great success with me i did it for uh they, they call them dives i did 30 dives um my memory came back really well numbness went down sleeping better um, but slowly it's, it's came back it's been um over a month now so speaking with the doctors there they're going to do the um reassessment and probably put me in for another 30 days and see what happens do you remember the tick itself i like don't we were out doing uh drills we were we were um, attacking the mps um for about a week so we were out in the in a thick brush, um, and we were all standing standing there and looked down, and we all had ticks on us. And so, you know, we ran out of there and, you know, started picking them off, and, you know, about three months later, I just got really sick. Um, my wife at the time kept on saying, there's something wrong with you, and it took about six months for me to go in and start that process. And then it took them about another eight months for them to figure it out. So of all the guys doing the drills that time, all covered in ticks. You're the only one that got Lyme disease. I was the only one. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. The one tick that I get. Right? The one tick, yep. Well, one of many. One so, of many. How many yeah. ticks do you think you picked off yourself that day? Uh, 40. 40 ticks? Yep. Wow. 
Yeah, well, don't go camping much anymore, huh? Just no, like, I'm yeah. actually very. I, I I hunt, I fish, I do all that stuff. Um, I'm definitely attracted to ticks. If <laughs> I don't know what it is, you know, I go out with four buddies hunting, and I'm the only one that comes back with ticks. Wow. So, wow. You know, they say eat garlic. I eat garlic. They say you know, drink red wine. I drink red wine. None of it works. That's for me, the though. prescription. Eat garlic and drink red wine. Yep. No do you like Italy. You got to go back there. It's like, well, yeah, there you absolutely. Go. Staple and now diet. he's now he's smoking the cannabis. Smoking cannabis, and you guys have a new mission now. Yes, with the Veterans Cannabis Group. What is this mission with the Veterans Cannabis Group? The Veterans Cannabis Group is an advocacy group. It's us. It's us veterans advocating the medicinal use of cannabis for. Uh, someone like me who has PTSD, combat-related PTSD, and other service-connected disabilities, like Jeremy has Lyme disease. There's all kinds of service-connected disabilities you know, men and women get from serving in the military. Um, and we have our own personal issues. We found that cannabis works uh, for us. So we're an advocacy group. Um, but it's expanded <clears throat> into being a resource center, education, support group, networking, job placement, um, and just trying to establish a place for veterans to kind of get, gather information, gather resources, educate themselves about cannabis, which is an alternative medicine. The VA doesn't prescribe any cannabis, no CBD, nothing. It's a schedule one federally D, you know, DEA yeah. schedule. It's illegal. You can't even talk to the doctors about it. You can talk to them, but they just, they don't respond. They have nothing, no input. They can't tell you anything. Uh, for example, I talked to a counselor before. I'm like, yeah, I'm using cannabis. I started this group. Uh, he's like, well, is it working for you? Yes. Is it hurting you? No. Okay, then. And that, that's basically it. You know. So what we're trying to do is create our own resource center. We have to take it into our own hands, uh, which is unfortunate you know, because there's the VA. There, this is a national problem we're talking about. 22 million veterans in the United States, 2 million in California. So until it becomes federally decriminalized. Our goal, our goal would be, we would love nothing more than the VA to take over, to legalize, to educate, to prescribe cannabis, right? That's what we're talking about. If you're a, if you're a disabled veteran, you're on fixed income, right? So right. you have a limited resources. Plus, if you have some type of mental health issues, you're already up against barriers within your own personal issues, right? So. Um, the VA is prescribing only what is FDA approved, right? So you got your SSRIs, you know, antidepressants, your opioids. We're all aware about there's an opioid problem, problem, right? So you build up a tolerance and, you know, and then they cut you off and now you're going crazy looking for heroin. I've heard, you know, stories of veterans like that, especially in San Francisco where we're from up north. <clears throat> but uh, well, you know, before you found cannabis to help yourself with your PTSD, what other methods did you try to use for treatment? Well, my story, I got back in December 03. This is before legalization here in California, although it was uh, medicinally Prop 215. Um, luckily, I'm from Northern California, and I have older brothers. So they, I came back. They gave me a big nugget and an awesome glass pipe, and were like, hey, welcome back. I had no idea that I had symptoms of PTSD. I was just stoked to be back, super excited. Uh, but then hypervigilant, um, you know, irritable, um, just thinking about when you when you're in Iraq, when you're in a war zone, you have to bottle everything up. Right. Because you're I was a sergeant. I was a team leader. So you're doing your mission. You're executing. You're bottling up all these emotions. Crazy. I'm sad. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I miss my family. 
everything's foreign to me. I'm carrying these weapons. I might have to kill someone. Uh, all these things. And so you get back and you're not no longer in the army. You actually start thinking, whoa, what was I doing? I was running around with C4 on my back and we were blowing up. We were going into, um, you know, bunkers full of munitions that had been raided and looted uh, the couple of weeks prior to us getting there. Could have been booby trapped. There was IEDs, mortar rounds. You're just processing all this. And then so you're releasing all of it. Um, for me, you know, it just came in like these uncontrollable waves. All of a sudden, you know, you'd be talking about it like, holy, you know, I was, I could have been killed at any time up there. And so you start releasing it. And, and then, uh, so what happened was cannabis. I, I didn't connect with the VA till eight years after I gotten out of the military. Uh, when you get out, you kind of like want to get out. You don't really want to have anything to do with it. Um, you know, you've been told what to do and how to eat, what to dress for five years and which is your entire adult life at that point at 23, you know, years old getting out. So when you get out, you're like, I'm out, you know, see you later. Um, which is unfortunate because you, you're not getting the benefits and the, the services and, the, and the, the help that you might need. Right. So, um, <clears throat> for me, when I would smoke cannabis back when, when I first got out, it actually kind of brought me to a level of, uh, the present level of here. Right. I remember being in San Diego and and smoking some cannabis and looking outside and look at the palm trees and like the sunny blue sky. And I'm like, oh, like, okay, cool, I'm here. And if I didn't have cannabis, my mind might be racing. I might be thinking about something or some kind of feeling I had or emotion or situation that I was in where I was super scared or whatever was going on. Um, but then the cannabis would actually, you know, a lot of people think cannabis, you're going to get high and you're going to be out of your mind or whatever. But actually the cannabis brought me down to a level where I was able to just kind of relax and uh, not have, you know, the waves of emotions where you're releasing and crying are good and positive, but also you want to have a little bit of control of that if you can, you right. know? Um, so, so I didn't, I didn't fall into the prescription medication um, routes or anything. I didn't connect with the VA till eight years after. Is that how you and Jeremy met each other? Through the, through the VA? I mean, how do you guys uh, end up hooking up? Because you're Air Force, right? Right. And Army. Yeah, we didn't know each other during Never service. Never the shall meet. I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm on the ground. He's in Italy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd you guys hook up? So I was looking to open the first retail store in Napa. And my idea was to bring veterans in. Uh, we have the largest veterans home population uh, in Yachtville, which is the next town north of Napa. And a lot of those guys, you know, use cannabis. Um, so they're, they've been getting a lot of it from the black market and who knows, you know, what's, what's in it and how it's tainted or, or what. Um, so I started reaching out to people in different veteran organizations with cannabis and that's how Aaron and I met. Um, so there was a lot of synergy, between, you know, between us and his story is completely different than my story. Um, it took me 10 years to get back to the VA. With, with my Lyme. And so I was a stockbroker um, for 20 years and I kept having these symptoms come back. My doctor kept on re repeating, hey, I think it's Lyme, you need to go back to the VA. But like Aaron said, when you get out, you don't want nothing to do with it. And with my experience going to the VA doctors, it was, it was bad. You know, when they told me I was positive, he told me, you weren't positive, but we're gonna send you to an off-base doctor. So, and the medical cannabis for you is to help with your Lyme disease. Absolutely. Um, so when I went back in, um, 
or actually I should step back. So when I got out, you know, what everybody does is, you know, kind of try a cup, you know, cannabis and I did it again. I had a little bit in high school, not much, um, got out, used it a couple times, um, but stopped doing it. Um, and then when I went to the VA, they, you know, gave me opioids, they gave me muscle relaxers, they gave me sleeping pills. Um, and then I was walking around like a zombie. All the know? negative side effects right. that came with it. Absolutely. And on top of that, trying to be a dad, trying to be a stockbroker, it was just too much. Um, so somebody said, hey, you should try cannabis. And slowly it took me off the opioids, slowly it took me off the muscle relaxers, slowly it took me off the uh, sleeping pills. So, And it seems like slowly but surely that more and more states are legalizing it recreationally and medicinally. This most recent election, you got Arizona, New Jersey, South Dakota, Montana. So now we're up to what, 15 states that there's legalized and South Dakota and Mississippi jumped on with medical cannabis. And then Oregon, who wow. just said decriminalized all hard drugs. Because I've also heard about uh, mushrooms. Right. I know Denver, Colorado was looking at uh, legalizing psilocybin, the active ingredient in mushrooms, magic mushrooms, and that how that has helped with PTSD. I've tried them before. I've done psilocybin mushrooms before. I have always have a great time laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm on them right now. I, in fact, I need to go for a hike right now. So I'll be back in about 30, actually four hours. <laughs> so to advocate for, I guess, federally for the, the laws to change, do you think you're on an easier path now with uh, President-elect Biden? We feel the, the best path for us is through the VA and through uh, the VA Medical Research Act, which would be an act to legalize research for veterans to use cannabis within the VA system. Okay. Um, and so if that was able to go through and we get positive results because the VA is a federal entity. VA is a federal entity. Um, veterans have a lifelong inherited relationship with the VA medical system. When we get out, that's where we go. That's, that's our <clears throat> medical insurance. So if we're going to the VA and we're constantly pushing back and saying, hey, these pills aren't working, this is not working, but this is, and we're showing you and proving it to you over and over and over again, that's how we feel the path would go to legalization from our perspective, you know, through the VA. So, but that's been a very tough nut to crack as far as yeah, accepting. absolutely, yes. yeah, because it, it's it's a federal entity, so they have to abide by the federal laws, which is Schedule One, right. zero medicinal purpose. So, which which actually leads into something you know we've worked with Dr. Sue Sisley. Um, Dr. Sue Sisley was at our uh, our Veterans Cannabis Summit that we had. So um, she is awesome. She just she's she did a study where she was. Um, uh, working with the DEA to try to get federal cannabis to for veterans for PTSD. You know, it took about 10 years or so, a lot of pushback, a lot of issues with the DEA. Um, she got the cannabis from, I think it was the University of Mississippi, which is where one of the federally, only federal legalized places where they oh, right. grow cannabis, right? But the, the quality is garbage for, you know, to be frank, Frank, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, you know, moldy, old, almost like hemp status. If, if she had the cannabis that we're growing here in California for her, for her study, it would have been a whole, the results would have been completely different. So our part of one of our missions to, is to support and, and advocate and help push and drive veterans to people like Dr. Sue Sisley doing these studies. You know, so we all have to come together to to push this this issue, this effort. 
Now, you both have been in the cannabis business. Uh, you established Brothers Mark in 2016. Yes. How, how has the, the, the industry changed since uh, you, you started in 2016 for yourselves? Yeah, started uh, Brothers Mark with um, some shatter out of a buddy's garage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, it was Prop 215. So we had the Nonprofit Mutual Benefit Corporation. There was a lot less red tape and license. There was no licensing. You had to deal with all that stuff. Um, so we were actually able to to um, make some things work. And with legalization, it's just a lot tougher. You know, you have licensing fees, you have taxes. Um, it it's costs a lot right. more money, right? Uh, so all of those things are barriers to entry, which, you know, we're, we're bootstrapping this thing. We're a couple of veterans. The concept behind Brothers Mark is to create a veteran-owned and operated cannabis brand that uh, provides quality medicines that veterans can afford and also supports the nonprofit, the Veterans Cannabis Group. So it's a for-profit entity. We want to uh, hire veterans through it. We want to support any veteran-owned and operated cannabis companies or distribution companies, et cetera, all the way throughout the supply chain as much as possible. Uh, and then we want to carve off revenue for the nonprofit, which does all the other things that I was talking about, you know, support group, resources, networking, um, lobbying, <clears throat> lobby. Yeah. Lobbying. So, you know, we, uh, we've worked with weed maps, you know, um, to weed maps helped us with our, our, um, veterans cannabis summit. They were our, one of our major sponsors. Uh, and then we've also worked with them on some bills up in, uh, Sacramento assembly bills worth assembly member Ting from San Francisco and also Fiona Ma, the state treasurer, um, to try to make cannabis a little bit easier, a little cheaper for veterans to get, you know, through the state. And Brothers Mark is based out of the Bay Area, Northern California. Yeah, that's where we, Jeremy and I both live in the Bay Area. So, you, so. your distribution up there where they can get it, they can find Brothers Mark and, you know, a lot of places up there. But down here in Southern California, it's not, you haven't really cracked into this market yet, right? Right. We, we, we haven't cracked in the market. We went out yesterday and hit some shops and... Yeah, actually got some great feedback. Um, we went, well, went to the, one of the reasons why we're here is for Illa Illa Canna, right? So Illa Canna introduced us to you guys. They're a distributor down here in Silmar. Um, they're helping us get the get the brand out. You know, they wanted to start a veteran brand and came across our brand and reached out to us and and was in contact with Jeremy for a couple of weeks and and now we're we we're in business with them. Um, so yeah, I couldn't be happier about that too. I mean, like I said, we're wanting to try to do something for veterans, yeah, and seeing that you guys or already were doing it, and to be you know be able to connect and be a part of it is something that's you know Illicana is all about. It's about you know giving back to your community and being a good neighbor, and and not just about you know the the cliche that is the marijuana grower. Uh, it's, yeah. it's getting together and giving back. To we community. really appreciate it because we can't stress enough. We need the support to do this from the community, um, from people that want to support the veterans. You know, this is, we can talk about the big issues of veteran suicide rates and opioid epidemic, um, which is a national problem. The VA needs to address better, but you know, do you have stats on something like that as far as like, you know, how uh, PTSD and other things are being treated with the uh, opioids and how that is maybe a direct link to, to suicide and things like that, where, now that things are being treated with cannabis and you're, and you're not having that, the treatment as far as like the bad side effects is, are, are there hard numbers to look at to say, listen, well, 
the old way wasn't working. It was actually doing more damage than it was doing good. Here's cannabis, and this is what we're doing now, and, and this is all the veterans that we've helped and their stories. Is that the message that the VA is not listening to? The VA really is not doing those studies. They're not uh, at all? No. They don't want to talk about it. And the excuse is, well, we can't do anything because it's federally. Their hands are tied. Hands are tied until the day when they say they're, it's they're legal. They're federal we employees. Talk. Right, right. So you want to lose your job? Well, that's like with the radio station right? talking about, you know, uh, all the advertising dollars that you could have right now as far as dispensaries or strains or brands to be able to be do advertising on the radio. We can't because it's FCC. It's federally licensed. So right. you would lose your license if you start to, you know, putting out ads for for marijuana even if it's medical marijuana or even putting out an ad for you know but obviously well, great things like this podcasts internet are regulated the same way so we can talk about whatever we want and get that message out but yeah in the meantime mainstream media can't promote in any, any sort of way right we can report on the states that have made it legal and new states have made it medically legal and it looks like that you know that trend is growing but otherwise yeah our, our hands are tied, too. Well, you too. can watch an alcohol, you know, Budweiser commercial during the Super Bowl where right. half the country is watching. Right. Right. Which is something that we talk about with um, the American Legion and VFWs. Those are the largest veteran organizations. They've been around the longest. Um, they support cannabis in in a way to for PTSD and, and want to help get behind it. But they are still very conservative and very, you know, slowly... Uh, promoting it right. and, and things like that. Um, but, um, you know, it's funny, you know, that the promotion, marketing, um, just our society being comfortable with alcohol, for example, you know, so World War II veterans, uh, you come back, you go to the VFW and you slam down, you know, a bottle of Jack Daniels, which is totally fine and acceptable. Right. And then you get in your car and you drive home, maybe you kill someone, maybe you don't, right? Or, or you kill yourself. Um, but that's been society's norm, right? So we have reefer madness where, <laughs> you know, right? You can't. So imagine if you had access to a joint instead of drinking that bottle of Jack Daniels. You know, alcohol is a poison. Um, cannabis is, is not, it doesn't have any harmful effects. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to overdose on it. Um, so it's just something that we kind of bring up that's, that's this weird, you know, society thing is, I can go to the VFW, I can go to American Legion and buy $2 beers all day long and it's totally fine. But if I want to smoke a joint, I'm like taboo. You got to, you know, whoa, go around the corner type <laughs> thing, you know? So it's uh, society's perception and it's, that's what we're trying to change as well. That stigma. How There's, can the, the, um, you know, the civilian community help in this movement? Uh, be a part of it? Is it like you're talking to your representatives? Is it, is it getting on some lists and signing something? I mean, how can well? The, I mean, most recently with voting, you voting. know, voting for legalization. Um, you may or may not agree with all the legalization rules that go with that proposition, but it's a it's a step in the right direction. Um, uh, and support going to your local city council meetings anytime that they're talking about city ordinances, for example. You know, California, there's only a hand. There, there are not that many um, counties and cities that actually you can have commercial cannabis licenses in. So even though we're in California where it's recreationally legal, there are still, it's up to the local city and county whether or not they wanna have commercial cannabis licensing. So you might have to still drive two or three hours just to go to right. a, a legal retail shop to get your 
legal cannabis. So then you're like, oh, well, you know, after this, I'm going to just go down to my buddy and get the same thing I've been getting for the last 30 years. And I'm going to do it that way. You know, uh, the difference is that you just don't know if there's pesticides in there and if it's clean. And legalization is a step towards that, you know, safer, cleaner medicine and, and having public access to it. And you're also providing jobs for veterans. And providing jobs, yeah. And, and, and tax encouraging revenue. the marijuana industry to hire veterans yeah. right, to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Be, be accepted in the, in the business, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things that we feel the cannabis industry and the veteran community have a lot of similarities. The veterans, you know, myself, we understand the medicinal uses of it because we're using it for whatever our service-connected disabilities are. So we are we appreciate it as a medicine, uh, and then you coincide our military experience where we have discipline, we have training, uh, we have the whatever type of deployment experience that we have, leadership experience, security experience, all good things that the cannabis industry as a new growing industry right needs. You know, um, so you've had this industry that's been underground, black market not really regulated and you uh you know if you combine that with some veterans to help <clears throat> drive some of that some of those things that we already have from our military experience uh, and then our appreciation for it as a medicine that's why we feel that the veteran community and the cannabis industry are a good combination for each other do you have that that feel-good story about a veteran who was like probably at the rock bottom of trying to self-medicate or self-prescribe Jack Daniels, you know, with opioids to figure out how to solve their issue. Do you have that story about you introduced them to, to marijuana and it changed their life? There are a lot of those stories. Yeah. There are a lot of those stories, um, which is a, po a good thing, you know, that they're turning themselves around. I mean, we get contacted by veterans throughout the country, 22 million of us out there, right? Uh, California, they look at California as a leader. <clears throat> we get contacted. I talk to veterans all the time that go from 22 pills a day to maybe one or two or down to none. Um, so that story is true. It's real. It's out there. And, and the veterans uh, who live in states where they can't get it. It's well, that's the problem. You know, that, that's the problem. Um, you know, you were talking about how can veterans get involved or how can they access that's something that we try to uh, provide on our website is resources. Um, so online, anyone can access it anywhere from the world. Right. So if you get a veteran from Texas, you know, and he's go to jail for a joint, he's just trying to find information. He can at least read about it. Uh, and then we encourage the use of CBD, you know, hemp derived CBD for, for those people that just absolutely cannot access cannabis because of the law. Um, which is why we have Brothers Mark Hemp. So we have a hemp line to, to try to reach those those folks and try to at least get them some type of cannabinoid in their system. Now, as far as that goes, the CBDs and hemp, there's no, is there a state where even CBDs are illegal? No, the Farmers Act was passed in 2018, which made it federally legal to commercially cultivate um, hemp. So it's now federally legal. That's why you're seeing all these CBD stores or CBD you know, products in like Walgreens, for example, Rite Aid, stuff like that. So I've heard it helps obviously with sleep and then Yeah, it has, it has medicinal properties, 100%. Right. Um, it's just not as powerful as when you have, you're taking out THC, you're taking out a lot of the other cannabinoids that, you know, cannabis has in it versus hemp derived 
CBD. You mentioned your website, uh, brothersmark.com, is for your uh, cannabis-owned business. And then yes. your nonprofit. The, the Veterans Cannabis Group is dot com. It, that's that's it. Veter VeteransCannabisGroup.com. Yep. So got if they want any information, uh, Illicana has teamed up with you guys to distribute Brothers Mark down here in Southern California. So yeah. I think if you want to go to Illicana.com to find out, or BrothersMark.com to find out where you can actually go, which dispensaries are going to be carrying it, it's not just for veterans. Right. It's right. Uh, for anybody who's right. suffering from any anxiety or PTSD of, of your own. Uh, it's uh, the highest quality and uh, that's why we're doing this together because it's like yeah we, we care about the product we care about what's put out there and and uh, we care about the the people that uh, are involved in this so uh aaron jeremy thank you guys so much again happy veterans day thank you for your service thank you so much for having us we really appreciate your time we're super stoked to work with illa and uh, get it out there let's do this thank you so that's much thank you appreciate yeah. it I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you would like to learn more how you can support Aaron and Jeremy's mission, go to veteranscannabisgroup.com and brothersmark.com. Find out where you can get Brothers Mark by going to illacanna.com. And if you could, give us a five-star rating to help others find this podcast in the haystack of many. I'm Frank Kramer. Talk to you next time.